We are parents, teachers, and educators. And like you, we're passionate about restoring our culture for Christ. This is Veritas Vox, the voice of classical Christian education. Hello again. Thank you for joining us on Veritas Vox, the voice of classical Christian education. Today, Laurie is with us, my wife, and we're going to talk about the origination or the beginnings of Veritas Press. What's your recollection? Wow. I think my earliest recollection is um, our son, our oldest son, had been at a prep school in um, Orlando, and we had chosen that school over a Christian school because um, I had gone to a large Christian school, but it was a school that was pretty sheltering, and I just watched so many of my classmates go off to college and fall far from God. And so um, I knew that at that point I was thinking, I really don't want our children in a Christian school. You'd come out of public education, so it seemed like the best option was a prep school. And we put them there thinking that we would um, – teach them a Christian worldview at home, they would get it at church, and that those, and that school would just be this thing that was out there that they got their education. But didn't take long till our um, oldest was in first grade, and we encountered an issue that was something that we realized worldview couldn't be separated. Yeah. And so you take it from there. Well, yeah. We, so the school sent something home that got us thinking, and I called our friend R.C. Sproul, and ask him to help us reason through this. And he gave us a book to read uh, called Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning. And it was eye-opening. The first section of it helped us understand that we had a really faulty view of education, that education couldn't be separated from worldview. It couldn't be separated from uh, what we believed about the world. Well, the idea and Deuteronomy is pretty clear about that. Yeah, Deuteronomy six about, is yes, quite clear. Six is just talking yeah. about when you wake up and when you go to sleep and during the day as you're walking, that there really isn't a time that you shouldn't right. be teaching your children. Well, it, it matters yeah. who writes history. Right. The perspective on it will be influenced, and so the idea of thinking that education is morally neutral and that we add our worldview to it. And there are classical educators out there that have operated that way. And we think that it's a faulty view. And so, and and the reason we think that is it started with reading, recovering the lost tools of learning and saying, wow, this is completely different. The book also was influential in the sense that it helped us understand that Christian education didn't need to be uh, academically inferior. In sure. fact, everything about it made it possible for it to be not only as good or better, but also uh, honest, completely honest about the world in which we live. I've said many times in recent years that uh, if you Google uh, the 10 most important events yeah. in history, you won't find anything about Jesus Christ in there. And there is no doubt in anyone's mind, uh, that regardless of what you think about him or who he is, that that his appearance on earth has been <laughs> of the top ten in the top ten of historic events. So that was that was an important thing. 
So tell us what happened after we read Recovering the Lost Tools of Life. I got a hold of the book before Marlon because he was out of town. I was on a business trip, which was really a a fateful problem for us. And um, I stayed up all night reading the book. For those of you who know anything about me, you know that reading is my passion. And so I started it and couldn't put it down because... One of the things that did captivate me was what Marlon talked about was that Christian education did not have to be academically inferior. And as I said, I had seen so many of my classmates that had gone to college and really struggled with keeping their faith. And, you know, I had never read anything like um, the Iliad or the Odyssey or Aristotle or Socrates at the Christian school I went to. And so, Um, encountering those for the first time in college and wrestling with that. Um, But for the grace of God, you know, I I don't know that I would have come out of that okay. And so I thought, why are our kids not getting that from a Christian worldview? And when I read Recovering the Lost Tools of Learning, it was everything about it. And so I called Marlon. It really put things together for us in ways that we had not been able to do before. I called Marlon probably at five in the morning, we both get up really early. And so that wasn't unusual. I'd been waiting probably for an hour at that point. And my first comment to him was, we have to start a school. So not a call you want to give your wife. It it wasn't quite five o'clock. I remember it too. And I was actually staying at Laurie's parents' house. And of course, this was a bit before cell phones had really, uh, uh, gained acceptance. And so she's calling on a landline. Laurie's mother answers the phone. And in her, uh, her name was Diane. And Diane's uh, voice, Marlon, Laurie's on the phone. (laughs) And I told him we needed to start a school. And I know he thought I was crazy. But anyway, he um, was kind enough to say, well, let me at least read the book. Um, Got home, he read the book and he was, we need to start a school. So we wanted that kind of education for our children. And that's where we were thinking at this point. This is not anything yet about Veritas. curriculum and Veritas Press. It was simply the idea of that kind of education yeah. for our four boys. And so as an educator, um, once we'd gotten a team on board, Marlon, of course, called RC and Vesta, and we um, assembled a team of people to put this school together. And as you can imagine, having RC on your board and as part of it, it makes it a little bit easier to start a school. We had we called Doug Wilson right away. You know, we're the kind of people, oh, the author's name is Doug Wilson. He wasn't really well known at that point. So Marlon called him, got him on the phone right away, and we had a conversation. But I started looking into curriculum and the place that I found myself was in homeschool curriculum because the Christian school curriculum was not anything that was academically rigorous. And so I went into the homeschool world and that's where we met Rob Shearer. Rob Um, Shearer and his wife who have education backgrounds. And now Rob teaches for us, uh, for our online school, Veritas Scholars Academy. But Rob had a business called Greenleaf Press. And they had reprinted some books. Famous Men series is what it's called. Famous Men of Rome, Famous Men of Greece, and some others. And they wrote some too. Yeah. And so then I, you know, as I was reading Sayers, and um, like I said, I'm a history buff. So I found every 
primary source book I could on education, whether it was education of Hebrew, you know, uh, biblical Hebrew education for young children or Greece or Rome or the Middle Ages and monasteries. I was trying to get my hands on any primary source I could. And um, because we had to get curriculum together for a school, we had three months basically to pull this together. And some the, the school, yeah, the, the details school. are um I I've lost track yeah. of the year. It was either 1992 or 1993. I've seen both in print, but I know it was May 26th that eight of us got together, four couples of uh, the Sproles, Laurie mentioned already, the Malones, Mike and Barb Malone, and um the uh um uh help me out here the other couple of oh, the ingrams bob and margene ingram and then laura grace alexander joined us later but on may 26 we discussed the idea of starting a school yeah. and it just took a few minutes before we said that's what we're going to do and the rest of the night then was spent planning the start of that school the school was named the geneva school and it opened exactly three months later on August 26, either of 92 or 93. And as I looked at um, education of, of um, you know, Hebrew children, one of the things I realized was God talked in stories and they told stories to their children and they told chronological stories to their children so that their children could understand God, who he was and what he did. And I thought, well, what we really need, if kids need, I already had bought into the whole grammar stage, dialectic stage, and rhetoric stage. That made sense to me as an educator. And so we were starting off with a grammar age children at our school elementary. And I thought, well, if they need to memorize and we want to teach them um, an integrated worldview of um, history, then we've got to start with creation and take it to today. If you don't know, I'm the creative, Marlon's the analytical thinker. Well, even even more so, I'm a businessman and had uh, a business, a real estate investment business. That went the, in the, you know, well, it, uh, yeah, the, drawer, the, the, the uh, statement that I'm com that I commonly will say is that Veritas Press, when it got started, uh, ate my real estate investment business and it ended up in a file drawer. Um, and that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but Veritas Press really did uh, come about very quickly. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to some of that yeah. in just a moment. But her her background in education, her love of history, her, mm -hmm. her family, mm -hmm. um, her grandfather was a guy named L.B. Summers, who started uh, a boys boarding school, which is still a big going concern. And we recently had a chance to go see the campus of that school, which is amazing compared he, to them. He wouldn't believe it, no. Yeah, but that uh, uh, that school was a boys boarding school in, in north the northern part of Miami uh, called Miami Country Day. So she, her mother, her grandfather uh, were all involved in education, but I was not, I was not an educator. But as we got together talking around education, mm -hmm. Her creativity and my ability to think in terms of systems have really been complementary things for Veritas, but we'll get into that in just a moment. So we're we're starting uh, the Geneva School in the summer, um, and like uh, uh, you can imagine, uh, having RC to be involved to speak at parent nights was a really helpful thing, and, and it really did help us uh, recruit. I think we had 30, 38 students to start the so. year. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about that first year, and, and especially with an emphasis or thinking about Veritas. You want to talk? And Michael, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Michael Eatman, who also works with Veritas now, um, 
is probably the most gifted educator that I know um, came on board. He was at seminary at RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary. And um, we had combined classes. And, oh, I remember those days. A, a friend of mine, Jeanette Bourne, we were just talking about this. We were, you know, we were trying to pull this together on a shoestring. And so we were buying used furniture. And I remember, you know, we showed up and and she and I were talking, these look horrible, these desks. We can't have these children in this because most of the people were coming from a prep school that were coming into this school. So we're painting into all wee hours of the night. And <laughs> like I said, I'm a creative. So the classrooms had to be exciting and interesting. After all, we're in Orlando. Guess what, guys? Disney's what our kids are used to looking at. So we were able to get some people that were at the some school. Some Disney talent came and Disney helped create talent. environments for us. It was and pretty cool. Quickly set up these rooms, you know, where, you know, if they were in second grade, they were walking into all, you know, what looked like um uh ancient Egypt. And it was just those were really the amount of hours that went in, parents worked hard and we were ready and we opened. And um I look back now and think that that actually was probably the best year that we had because Everybody was so unified and excited to start this. Everybody knows what classical education is now. They did not know. There was a lot of education. educating going on. There was on. a lot of educating. And yeah. we were trying to figure it out as, as we went. I um, got to know Brenda Shirley that first year. And um, because Shirley Grammar was something I stumbled upon and I went, oh, my goodness, this just makes sense. For well, I think the folks the at Logos School were the ones that introduced us to Maybe Shirley Grammar. I don't yeah. remember. And we went out to Logos and um, Tom Garfield, who works with us now, he tells this story even better than I do. But he, you know, said, you were asking me for anything and everything that I had. And he said, I think our photocopy machine ran for 48 hours nonstop with you and I photocopying anything you could yeah. get your hands on. That what happened when we first talked to yeah. Doug about uh, the idea of starting a school, he let us know of a conference that yeah. they were doing. This was in May. Yeah. We had the conversation. It was June that a contingent there of us, including many. Laurie and me, and Michael. Uh, I think Michael was Michael there too, uh, went to uh, Idaho yeah. for what is now known as the first ACCS conference. And we really hit it off uh, with the folks at Logos School. Uh, and and it really was very helpful, and, mm -hmm. and you spent a lot of time with Tom. Uh, you know, it dawned on me as we as we we're having this conversation how many people that we started with are continuing to yeah. work with us. They were in various places and other places, and now uh, back with Veritas Three, we've mentioned right. uh, so far, which is yeah. a really good thing. But we um, we just continued to learn and try to figure out, um, you know, what. Uh, the children needed. And and I would think, I think the thing that's probably spurred us into Veritas Press was the history and Bible chronology right. curriculum, because there wasn't, there were a lot of things that were, um, okay, so people call me Closet Charlotte Mason, because I really am a mixture of um, Dorothy Sayers, Charlotte Mason, and, and then some other but educators. But isn't, isn't some of that implying that Charlotte Mason was creative and Dorothy Sayers wasn't. And I don't think that's fair. It's not fair, but I would say um, Sayers had more of a proclivity towards towards memorization with grammar school okay. students. 
And, and Charlotte Mason had more of a proclivity towards being creative and being in nature. Although I agree with Marlon, if you study the time in which they lived, those two things somewhat came hand in hand. I mean, it's like when you think of, I always tell people in one of the talks I do, when you look at education in ancient Rome, we think of this very strict education. It wasn't. I mean, they were right. The kids were learning to write in wax. And, and some of the things that the kids were doing were so tactile and we don't think of it that way. Right. And so um, but as I was looking at that, I wanted history to be living history for students. But then I also saw that memorizing things was important. And now some 20, some odd, 20 or 30 years, no, it's, almost well, 30. If 92, 93, so we're talking 30 years. Yeah. So 30 years later, I see how important both of those are together. Because if you do one without the other, I think you really lose something. Um, if you just have strict memorization and you really don't do any living history or or other creative things, whether it's math or whatever it is, it becomes boring yeah. very, very quickly and kids lose interest. But if all you do is living history and you don't take the time to memorize things, it's all disconnected. Because what we see at Veritas, particularly with kids that have come through our program, when they get to omnibus, or now I get to see, you know, almost 40 year olds that have come through our program. Not almost. They are. Okay, <laughs> They're 40. Um, but what I see is that the kids that came through the grammar school program that got that memorization, they use it today. I mean, I, I watch my own sons with their own children, and, you know, they'll be somewhere and they'll laugh and it's the history song that's still in their head as 36 year olds. Yeah. Right. But we get a little bit ahead of ourselves here. So what happened this first year was we went to uh, the conference. Yeah. We came back, we had a lot of help and uh, we brought uh, Tom Garfield to Orlando to help with teacher training. Yeah. Uh, and I remember his comment, boy, you have enough inexperience to go around here, don't you? Um, mm. Because we had all kinds of inexperience, but we were all very hungry, very I willing. Probably the only educators at that point on board. Yeah, I don't remember if the teachers. I don't remember if the teachers were rookies we or if they had some experience. There were some much. of both. Yeah. There, uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so that was the first year and we weren't thinking at all no. at that point in terms of being in the curriculum or online school business, we were simply early on, we were one of the first five schools. We wanted it for our children. We want, But we were one of the first five schools that responded to uh, Recovering the Lost right. of Learning, Wilson's book, to say, we want to start a school. And so in doing that, uh, we were also in a position where the curriculum options were fairly limited. They certainly weren't geared towards this uh, new method, this Logos pedagogical Press approach. Was not out and, at that yeah. point. And so it was no and, and so we're thinking um between Laurie's creativity and my systematic thinking, how do we how where do we find curriculum and, and what is ideal? And and I think it was the Shears and yeah. Greenleaf Press that really impressed us with the idea of sequential it was. Uh, thinking about uh, history in particular. Then I think it was our thinking mm -hmm. 
That's the title. That said, we, would, we really want to see Bible and history taught in a way that can be taught separately, but also understood together about the overlaps. When, yeah, it's not really an overlap, but when does an, a biblical event happen in the context of what we know about history? And I remember doing flashcards. I was um, in one of the classrooms and I was doing math flashcards with the kids. And I thought, no, wait a minute. Math flashcards have been around forever, right? Like they've just been around. Why can't we have flashcards for history or for Bible? Like flashcards are a great way to to memorize things. And so the music part of it came after the fact, but the flashcards were the first thing. And it happened while I was um, doing math facts with kids. So we, 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 we built a system for that, but again, we're getting, it's kind of hard to stay in sequence here and and not provide adequate context. So in this first year, we're starting to think in terms of curricular needs, following uh, the lead of, of Logos and, and others that had taken steps before us. And then the second year or the summer before the second school year, we went uh, back uh, to what is now the second ACCS conference, and that was still in northern Idaho. And it was at that point that uh, uh, Doug mentioned the need for an association and and asked me to join him and others to uh, help found what is now the Association of Classical and Christian Schools. And that then led into uh, becoming more familiar and both of us involved in many different places with helping other schools start. I estimate that um, sometimes I went and you didn't, but when, uh, and sometimes Uh, uh, we went and sometimes our kids went and they uh, would uh, (laughs) participate in showing how the education was coming together for them. Uh, But it was the beginning of ACCS at that point. So now we're thinking more in terms of, of what's needed. And that was how we then developed uh, the idea of um, history uh, in sequence from creation to present, Bible in chronological order, getting familiar with all the books of the Bible. And of course, everybody knows the Bible doesn't appear to us in chronological order, but understanding it in chronological order is a very helpful thing. So then uh, to talk a little bit about how that developed, it was technically in 1996 that Veritas Press um, uh, was uh, incorporated and and founded. But talk about the steps that led up to that with conferences and and other curriculum that we started helping uh, provide. At that point, though, we had, how old was James? We had a, what, seven-year-old? Well, uh, he was in second grade in the first year of school. A seven-year-old, a six-year-old, let's say a five-year-old and a four-year-old, okay? Because we have... Well, they weren't that close together, but they they, they would have been roughly uh, two to seven. Because our youngest was born before our oldest was five. So they're really close together. And so we were constantly, I mean, people were calling us. Marlon and I were both on the phone all the time, trying to help other schools get started. We found um, Logos was using Saxon math. So we started using it. I was helping people with that. Shirley Grammer, I got to know Brenda Shirley. We were helping get people into that. We were starting to put the history and the Bible curriculum together. Um, Latin was very pieced together at that point. Canon sort of had a product, but not really. And so 
people were, this was very much at the beginning, a word of mouth. So we were just spending time talking to people. And my parents said to us, you know, have you ever really thought about the fact that maybe God is calling you to do this? I mean, I joke, Marlon was spending more time helping people, like volunteering, helping people than he was doing our actual business. And so my parents just, you know, approached us and said, if you really thought about the fact that maybe God is calling you to do this. And well, and, and slightly before that, and I think this yeah. was the observation that your parents made, we'd gotten to know the curriculum yeah. providers, uh, the relationship with Brenda Shirley. She actually came to Orlando mm-hmm. to help with teacher training mm-hmm. for the first year of the Geneva school. Uh, and we got to know just a little bit, uh, John Saxon before his passing, yeah. of course, the Shears were involved in, in history uh, curriculum, and there were other providers. Got to know Steve that, Deming, we got to know Steve Matthew, Deming, Matthew C. C. And and so that's your parents observed that yeah. and and suggested that. And and my first reaction was, I'm not really interested in this being more than a hobby business for the history and Bible curriculum that we were already working on. But gave that further thought, and uh, your parents were kind enough to say. If you want to do this, uh, you want to, and you want to do it. What do you let us know? What you need? We figured the place to start was to create a catalog, and it was uh, 1996 that we were talking about the history of Bible. But 1998 was our first real catalog. We had a little brochure for the prior year, but the first real catalog was in 1998, and they agreed to provide the capital mm-hmm. to help fund that. And so that was. Uh, the beginning of Veritas Press, that first catalog. This is probably a good stopping point. We'll do a second episode and talk about the uh, first summer of Veritas Press, which wow. gets me laughing you, a little bit. You do want to come back for that because that <laughs> is definitely a funny story. Folks, you've been with us for Veritas Vox about the uh, foundation <coughs> of uh, Veritas. We look forward to seeing you next time.